China represents half of all EV consumption, use, mm. the use of electronic vehicles, mm -hmm. and 20% of exports. But Gavin Newsom, what he learned from China was that it wasn't just about getting people to say, oh, I like EVs. It was about building the requisite infrastructure. Mm. So before China had a massive success right, in right. selling electric vehicles, it made it practical to do so by building out the charging infrastructure across the country. Mm. And that is what California, I think, is going to do moving forward is California is going to build out their electric charging infrastructure so that if you live in California and you primarily reside in California, you want an EV, great, just get one. Why not? Because you can go to work, you can come home, you can drive to the coast, you could drive to the mountains, you could wherever you want to go, there's going to be charging. Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Welcome to The Bridge. We're a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason, and today with me is Bebe. Hello. Hey, Jason. How are you doing? Thank you for the 25-page document. <laughs> hey, if you ever wanted to I... know about something, now you do. <laughs> I know. But then when I opened up the document, I was like, batteries? Are we going to talk about batteries? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, okay, my, how do you say it? My pupils don't really dilate when I hear the words battery or electrical <laughs> storage. But I read on and did a little bit of highlighting. Still, I don't remember anything mm. until I got to the last article. Mm. And I was like, oh, all excited because he talks about the changing of the industrial chain or industrial upgrading in China. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, ooh, this is my material. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk about that. I'm, I'm very pro uh, green energy online. One of the big things I get pushed back on is, mm. well, what about batteries? What about when it's not windy, when it's not sunny? What about when there's not rain for the hydropower dam, right? So mm. battery technology for me, you know, they do pollute mm -hmm. the environment. It's true. If you have all these billions of tons or I guess mm -hmm. millions of tons of batteries all over the world in the future, that's not going to be good for that has its own consequences. You and I have talked about this before, recycling battery technology. Right. Well, it turns out right. that there are really simple ways to store energy that don't involve the use of batteries at all. And so I love that because... The first time I heard about this was when you mentioned how they store energy in hydropower stations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How they... There's... Because there's a difference in elevation. Mm -hmm. Like when you... what? How does it work? Like when you want to release mm -hmm. the energy, the stored up energy, you push the water into higher place. And then when you want some new energy, then just let the water flow down. Something like that, right? Almost like okay. that. Just for those who may want clearer explanation, just think about a hydropower dam. Mm -hmm. It stores a whole bunch of water, mm -hmm. right? But that comes from nature. And then you let it go to create new energy. Right. So you just... You create your own two reservoirs, you know, it could be polluted water. It doesn't even have to actually be water even. It could be a different liquid. It doesn't. <laughs> it would smell a little bit. Right. It could but... be any kind of liquid at all, but it, they use water and uh, you pump it uphill. That costs energy. So mm. you use the energy from the hydropower dam that you have or the solar or whatever to use pumps to push the water up. Mm -hmm. And then it stays in the reservoir up there. Then when you want the water back because, hey, it's nighttime or whatever or you need it, then you let it run back downhill and it operates the exact same way as the dam operates in, in terms of producing the energy back. It Wouldn't it be fun if, let's say, we all live in villages and we have this like kind, tiny kind of hydro power station in our backyard? Mm -hmm. Like, let's say we live by a stream. <laughs> yeah, It's a little bit like the water mill. Right. When you uh, don't need the energy, you can store it that way. Mm -hmm. And then when you need it, you just let the water out mm -hmm. and it will start producing electricity. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. And I think when we think about storing electricity, we naturally think of batteries. Mm -hmm. 
by this really boring looking chunk of like metal or whatever right. it's made of. Mm -hmm. But that time when you mentioned this kind of way of story energy, it was very eye opening. Mm -hmm. It was like a new chunk of my brain just opened up like new territory. Wow, this is how you can do it. And it turned out that it's been done, mm -hmm. right? For example, mm -hmm. in one of the articles on interestingengineering.com. Mm -hmm. huh? Well, that's one website that I've never been to, <laughs> but it has a um, article on called a China builds new two point a is that gigawatt gigawatt yes yeah, a lot pumped hydroelectric storage facility mm -hmm. so it's not just like a power station it's a storage facility yeah, we're gonna need hundreds of them just in china alone i see well they are building yeah um this one is in the gobi desert mm -hmm and the Tlatnut on the Tibetan Plateau. Mm -hmm. And if he, the facility in the article mentioned in the article will feature Qinghai's first pumped storage hydropower station. And I think it works in the way that you just mentioned. Yeah, that's right. On a massive scale. Yeah. And it also, it's uh, part of a series of regional projects mm -hmm. built to improve the power grid's reliability. So China actually, um, I don't know how famous China's power grid is outside China. Mm -hmm. But it is amazingly stable and powerful. And like just, you know, think of China's territory. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't even remember when was the last time we had like a power outage. You know, that's interesting. You know we I mean? live here in the north and I do know what you mean. But there were power outs last year in the south of China mm. because there was a, a slight drought and some of the hydropower dams in all that run all throughout southern China, actually. Uh, we're not up? producing as much electricity oh. yeah, as normal. So mm. there were some brownouts in the south of China last year. However, and, and also because of this year, China has added about almost double the amount of uh, solar and wind that it ever had before mm. in, in record-breaking mm -hmm. speeds that no country has ever seen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, I actually found this article. It has an explanation of pumped storage hydropower, mm -hmm. uh, abbreviated as PSH. I just want to read it so people, sure. listeners like me, can sure. have a better understanding. Mm -hmm. So PSH stands for Pumped Storage Hydropower, is a hydroelectric energy storage system that uses two water reservoirs at different elevations mm -hmm. to generate power as water flows down from one to the other through a turbine. Mm -hmm. And the system acts like a large battery, storing power and releasing it when needed. Mm -hmm. So the concept sounds actually quite simple, mm -hmm. right? Um, and there are other forms of um, such batteries, quote unquote batteries. For example, in another article called from um, pv-magazine.com, it talks about this energy vault. Well, I wanted to talk about this one because I've read yeah. uh, like 20 articles I, on this. Yeah, this, this is not one, actually the, just in China. Building. The one oh. that they built in China is part of a, a project, a global project. And there's one in being built in the United States and the one that's being that what that is completed in China. And these mm. two are basically to prove the technology. There are a few. So people can find, oh, this was actually done first here or this was actually done first there. So it was done really small scales all over the world by scientists. And these two mm. ones, the, the first one that was completed here in China, the 25 megawatt gravity storage facility here in China is is one of two gigantic ones, one in China and one in the United States, that mm -hmm. stores through moving gigantic bricks up and down. See, how does that sound to you? Moving bricks up and down. It makes perfect and sense. You just can't. <laughs> I know once you get into it, but but when so there's a picture in the article. And it's like the boringest building I've ever seen. <laughs> well, no, right? it's no just people like in a it, right? block. Yeah, just blocks. There's no people. Like if you look at it from, you know, the outside, you wouldn't really think much of it. It's not somewhere you want to go to. But actually, the content is quite amazing. Mm -hmm. It is a energy storage facility. Mm -hmm. And you would think of it as a huge battery, but no, it involves huge blocks of like heavy material. Yeah, they just take concrete. <laughs> but I think Jason explained it better. listening to The Bridge.
I'm going to try to explain it in two different ways. I want to tell you a story about me uh, being in physics class. I took physics. Uh, I went to college a little later, 22. I took physics. Mm. And one of the things I learned in physics, and I think anyone could, you could probably just YouTube this. It takes amount, a certain amount of energy that can be measured in joules. That's the, the unit that scientists use, actually, uh, to heat one liter of water mm-hmm. by one degree. And there's a scientific formula for that. Mm-hmm. There's also a scientific formula for how much energy it takes to raise one liter of water, one meter mm-hmm. uh, in the air. Mm-hmm. So there's, you have a gravity formula for how much energy you need to expend in joules to raise water one meter off of the surface of, you know, wherever it was. Mm-hmm. So if you, you can actually, use these formulas to calculate the exact amount of energy that you can produce by lowering the bricks. So it's just like the water. I see. When you right. raise the bricks into the air, mm-hmm. you're using machine energy mm. that you are producing. So you have a huge solar power like grid, right? Or a farm, a solar farm, and it's producing more energy than your te- your village, Bebe's previous example, mm. than your village is using. So that excess electricity goes into okay. raising these uh, giant boulders, basically, into the air by using a crane. Now, when don't you step underneath, yeah, definitely don't want to be underneath. <laughs> so, when you want it back, you lower them. Now, when they lower, mm. they spin a turbine, mm-hmm. and that turbine produces electricity. So, it essentially works as a battery with no chemicals, no hazardous chemicals are used right. in the storing of this energy, which is just moving giant blocks up and down. I think the theory sounds really simple. You just have to be able to move that huge block, <laughs> you know, up there when you need to, <laughs> and then release it when you need to. But I think I understand it. And so in simple turn, in this article, it says um, there are many ways to store energy from electrochemical batteries, which are the ones we are familiar with, and to pumped hydro, we mm-hmm. went over that, to iron air battery. Is that what we're talking about? Iron I don't air know what batteries? an iron air battery oh, is. Okay. This is new to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to flywheel yeah. and more. Yeah. But this thing that, that Jason just talked about is an energy vault has mm-hmm. taken a new approach, building towers with electric motors that lift and lower large blocks, making use of gravity's force to dispatch electricity when it is needed. Right. Simple as that. What's what's really neat. Okay, think about if you think about the hydro you know, water actually uh, dissolves things. It dissolves rock, steel, anything over a long enough period of time. So storing mm-hmm. things via the hydro could last maybe centuries. And storing mm. things by uh, electric batteries, and that can last years or even decades. But if you have mm-hmm. a giant mechanism like the vault, which is uses gravity energy storage, you could theoretically use that same facility for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. So it, it is a way to avoid polluting the environment when we're storing green energy. Except that I would imagine years or decades down the road, people will come up with even newer uh, technology, probably even more simple ways of doing this. But I do have a question. So imagining suspending this huge block, like literally how many tons is it? This like one one block would be um, like X number of tons. It, yeah. Imagine this huge brick suspended in air. So I think there will be some energy leakage, sure. right, in yeah. the process. But I guess batteries also, they deteriorate over time. Mm-hmm. So there is a certain amount of uh, energy that's shaved off. Mm-hmm. Because I keep thinking of, you know, muscles getting tired, <laughs> holding that huge block up in the air, <laughs> waiting to for it to release. Well, the great thing about blocks is of huge concrete blocks is they could last a long time. I mean, just look at the pyramids. What were those built, like 6,000 years ago or something? Not sure. A very long time ago. Yeah. So the tower we mentioned is controlled by a computer system. So not really, you know, anybody holding things like, uh, what do you call them? (laughs) Police, (laughs) right? Yeah, a bunch Um, of really tough guys pulling rocks. (laughs) It's not like an intellectually challenging job, but it's very tiring. These are dinosaurs. Oh, that'd be great. We could use dinosaurs to raise them. And then we just use dinosaur energy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Go, Brontosaurus, go. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so the tower is controlled by computer system and machine vision software that orchestrate the charging and discharging cycle. That sounds scientific, but it's just like lifting and like lowering these bricks. And the range yeah. of storage duration from two to twelve hours and longer is achieved. So you know it can't be suspending it for too long, um, half a day, a few hours. Um, and the first commercial installation in China will use a four-hour do. I take that to mean that they store energy for four hours, something like that, right? I do not know the answer to that. This stuff gets a lot more technical than you might. Okay,、anticipate. maybe we should stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's really cool is that China. See, this is part of a larger, like, orchestra of technologies that China is conducting, because China has all of these different kinds of solar installations. So it has your regular solar installations, then it has solar glass pane windows on some kinds of residential and business buildings, and it also has、mm -hmm. those reflective、uh, mirrors which superheat like a.、Uh, Like a tower, and then produce kind of water energy underneath, and then we also have hydropower, traditional hydropower, and you know mammoth、mm -hmm. hydropower, the largest、uh, hydropower station in the world, and then China also has. Onshore wind and offshore wind, and now China is practicing using massive scale technology for energy storage beyond batteries like Tesla, in in the form of water、mm -hmm. and in the form of you know these vault towers and other ones are coming actually. So China has、mm -hmm. every kind of conceivable like energy form, you know, green energy form in existence and at the largest scales. Anywhere in the world, and I just think it's amazing that because of China's massive geography and central planning mechanisms and massive population, that China is essentially getting the rest of the world ready for rolling out this technology everywhere. Well, what can I say, Jason? I guess we've got a really efficient and responsible government here、mm. um, that plans ahead and you know make sure that projects、uh, get along. And also, I、um, found some more information. About these energy vaults or these bricks,、mm -hmm. and I want to share with our listeners. Sure, absolutely. This、please. is from an article called PopularMechanics.com.、Mm -hmm. Also, another site that I would never think of, you know, visiting. That is actually a super popular website. In one article on the site, it says energy vault system works by creating hundreds of massive bricks made of compressed dirt. So it's like not fancy material. These bricks are made of compressed dirt mixed with water、a、and polymer. Is polymer kind of you know what that is? And weighing twenty-four metric ton each. So. These are very, very heavy, and then slowly lowering them in an elevator system. So I guess think of the building as a huge elevator, right? That lifts up these huge block of pressed dirt and then lowering them. So an elevator lifts these bricks during the day when energy is plentiful and cheap. And lowers them when demand is high, but renewable energy supply is not. And dropping these bricks some six feet per second is estimated to create、wow. roughly one megawatt of power, with energy efficiency hovering around eighty percent. All right. So I wanted to mention before we moved on that that magazine that you said you've never heard of or don't read, Popular Mechanics. Oh my God, that is such a a popular. A magazine for nerds.、Mechanics. Yeah, if you go to the United States, <laughs> if you go to the United States and you go to、yeah. the grocery store, it's like on the shelf at the grocery store. It's lots of people who are interested in science and technology read it. It's very commonly read. I just want to say,、really? I love that mag、okay. magazine. So at least I could,、um, I could understand explanation of energy.、Mm. So I guess it's doing a job.、Mm. There are other ways to store.、Energy. Yeah, China's also working on a new kind of battery technology, and you know, one that we would use in EVs and your cell phone and so forth. It's a sodium、uh, lithium battery, so it's actually using salt to store energy. So, in the actual、huh. battery technologies themselves, so actual chemical batteries, we're still making progress. We're still working on the kinds that might theoretically someday be biodegradable. There are、mm. forms of Clay battery technology. There's like probably hundreds of different kinds of scientific projects all over the world working on all kinds of new and innovative battery techniques and technologies. So it's not just、mm -hmm. storing. I mean, 
when I created this, the idea for the, doing an episode on this, the idea wasn't like, let's praise gravity technology. Mm-hmm. But the concern is, I think, the question why it matters is all these people around the world, they say they still say, oh, we need to have fossil fuel technology like burning coal or mm-hmm. burning natural gas or burning oil. And the reason is... Because we can do it whenever we need energy. And so the critique from these industries and people who support these fossil fuel burning technologies for green and tech, it's not always sunny for solar. It's not always windy for wind. Mm. It's not always rainy for hydropower. So we need to continue to burn mm-hmm. fossil fuels. But what the vault technology shows us, what high, you know, water storage technology shows us, what all of these new kinds of recycle technologies that we covered before show us is that green energy technology is viable and we do not need to rely on fossil fuel burning technology. And in order for us to, mm-hmm. you know, COP28 just ended, in order for us to mm-hmm. meet our not raising the global, gl- the Earth's temperature by 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2050 goal, we need to completely commit to green energy. And so these battery technologies offer the world alternative ways to store green energy technology without the need to continue to use fossil fuels. So as we phase out fossil fuels, we're going to see a lot more Mm -hmm. new and innovative ways to store energy around the world. And I think China is leading the charge on that. I think reading about these gives me more confidence about human capabilities. (laughs) You know, we have the potential to keep inventing new things, to keep finding solutions for, um, for old problems. Um, so I, I think we should have more confidence, right? We've made it so far. And speaking of China's role in this and China's, the initiatives that China has taken, right, in the areas of new energy and just going green, I think there's a lot that we can learn, um, that we should learn about what China has been doing. And there's this great article that Jason found on Energy Post. EU. You were all over the place, Jason, finding articles about this topic. Well, I mean, I do this every morning anyway. Before I go to work for an hour, I spend one hour reading about green energy technology every day. Nice. So there's this really impressive article called China is still playing the long game with its new three solar cells, lithium batteries, EVS. So there's so much in this article. Are you interested in getting started in the second hour? I still wanted to talk a little bit about the U.S. because I don't want this to us to just be China, China, China. Because I got to say, you know, when Gavin Newsom came over to China and then he went back to the United States, I think there's a lot of hope and a lot of promise from Gavin Newsom, what he's taking away from China. Because one of the reasons that China is 50% of all EVs consumed internally, all EVs in the entire world, China represents half of all EV consumption, Mm. the use of electronic vehicles Mm -hmm. and 20% of exports. But Gavin Newsom, what he learned from China was that it wasn't just about getting people to say, oh, I like EVs. It was about building the requisite infrastructure. Mm. So before China had a massive success in selling electric vehicles, it made it practical to do so by building out the charging infrastructure across the country. Mm. And that is what California, I think, is going to do moving forward is California is going to build out their electric charging infrastructure so that if you live in California and you primarily reside in California, you want an EV, great, just get one. Why not? Because you can go to work, you can come home, you can drive to the coast, you could drive to the mountains, you could wherever you want to go, there's going to be charging infrastructure. And if you're someone who's wants to do something about the environment, mm-hmm. it won't be I'm buying an EV because it's cool and trendy and I live in Los Angeles. It'll mm-hmm. be because it's practical and now I can just charge my car wherever I go. Right. And so California and China, in fact, are actually working together on some of the ideas. Uh, there's a joint 
Tsinghua University and uh, I think it's UC Berkeley are working together on a lot of these ideas. They're sharing ideas. Gavin Newsom's visit to China was about that. It was about signaling that California is getting serious about taking some of the ideas that China initially, Mm. you know, paved the way for and trying those out in the United States and California in terms of what it represents for the United States. It's California, if it was separate from the United States, is the fifth largest economy in the entire world. And I'm not saying to carve it out. I'm just saying if you take it separately, Mm. it is the fifth largest economy (laughs) in the world. So if California does this and it works, Mm. that means the rest of the United States will probably start following suit as well. So I'm looking forward not to just China, China, China is doing great, good for China. But as an American, I'm thinking about mm. what what's this mean for my people? You know, what can we do with the, the ideas that you guys have come up with? Right. What can we steal? You know, we want to copy some of your homework mm-hmm. and bring that back and turn it into our professors over back mm-hmm. at home, you know? So essentially, I'm over here in China spying on you, but the thing stealing is- all your cool ideas. And I'm trying to tell my American <laughs> brothers and sisters, hey, hey, this is what China's doing. Let's do that too. And so I think Jason, like ripping out <laughs> one page from the homework package yeah. and like s- sneaking it into your friends back in the States. But the but the thing is, it's just one page from a whole booklet, because mm. if you read on about what mm. China mm. has been doing, right, it, it's like a little bit like the entire industrial chain. Right. Maybe we've been focusing on one page of this huge booklet or one sector along this industrial chain. But the real power about China, especially its industrial development, is that it's got a whole chain ready, right? It's got all the raw materials and the technology and uh, the production, the design. And then at the end, there's even a huge market. So it's almost like internally um, whole or internally viable by itself so before you get to the article i know that's where you're you're pivoting <laughs> i want to talk about one more thing sure. because i want to i want my american friends to copy this homework mm. and so i want to incentivize young people and i want to incentivize vc people who are going to give out venture capital for future investments mm-hmm. think about this when you're investing when you're building out in future industry this is from oilprice.com quote battery storage is king in china's seven trillion dollar new energy industry seven trillion trillion dollar industry so when you're thinking oh should i build a help build a battery factory should i build a a vault should i help build these solar panels there's so much money to be made in revamping the united states energy infrastructure in revamping brazil's energy infrastructure and revamping the eu's energy infrastructure there's trillions and trillions of dollars to be made here Mm. so it's not just about oh let's be good and drive a a little car or something no it's like you can become a very very wealthy person by investing now early in these countries where these technologies have not rolled out at the scale that they've rolled out in china so you know right do it for self-interest too okay i'm sorry let's get to the china's whole infrastructure sure (laughs) sorry sorry. i hope all of jason's billionaire friends have heard this because all their money just sitting there doing nothing well here's the opportunity oh it's so sad you know this leads to (laughs) the industrial upgrading that China has been witnessing, mm-hmm. China has been proactively doing. Now um, we've heard mm-hmm. this for, we've been hearing this for years, actually, I think over a decade, the term Chinese Shengji or mm-hmm. industrial upgrading. And now it's taking shape, mm-hmm. like it's becoming more and more clear for average citizens what this means. In this article, it talks about the three new or the new three, which refers to solar cells, lithium iron batteries, and EVs. So these are the new threes. Mm. And I think these refers to um, the component of China's exports uh, in recent years. And this is comparing to the old threes, Mm -hmm. which include, let's say, clothing, appliances, and furniture. And I mean, many other things, right? I think these are just the leading threes of China's exports. 
So there's this huge change taking place in China and in China's relations with other countries, basically China's exports. And we've been hearing about this, you know, I guess going up the industrial production chain and it is happening or it has happened a lot. It's going to continue. You're listening to The Bridge. Can I define that? Because I've had talks with you and Alex before, I, I know what that means. But for some people, they may not know what that means to go up the uh, the production chain. So that means like at one point, maybe Bangladesh is making T-shirts. And then the next point, they're like, hey, we, you know, we can do all kinds of things. So they start making all kinds of other new fashion device. Oh, OK, you know, we can move beyond fashion. Let's start making air conditioner units. So this is essentially what China has done. It started out making like clothing and then it moved up to electronic devices. And now it's moving into, you know, AI and computers and all kinds of stuff. So as it moves up the value in the production chain, it makes more and more complicated kinds of products. Right. With more technology and elements of innovation. And I really want to mention something else. Another term mm. um, popular in China, mm. it's called 时代红利. In English, it means the dividends of the times. I want to talk about this because I just heard one of the, um, uh, on Chinese TikTok, a blogger was telling about how a lot of the people who are complaining about the state of China's economy nowadays are the ones who enjoyed the dividends of the times from the past, but are no longer enjoying the dividends of the present. You know, the dividends of the times in the present or in the future. Right. So they're the part of the value chain that they were a part of is no longer what's going on now. For example, if they made a lot of money exporting clothing in the past. Now, that era, well, it's not completely over, but there's not as mm -hmm. much money to be made nowadays or in the future faster. because there are yeah. cheaper areas, other right. countries who can produce the same quality, mm -hmm. right, but with lower labor costs or people who were working made huge profits from real estate, right, in China. In the future, that's not going to be the hot spot. Right. So these are the ones crying that's out amazing. loud about, oh, you know, Chinese economy is not doing great. But if you interview the other guys, the new guys, right, the new generation who are riding the current dividends of the times, who are riding the new wave, then you will get to know a different story. And also this led me to think about U.S. trade protectionism because how, you know, people were complaining about the losing of jobs, like, say, in the oil industry or in the old car manufacturing industry mm -hmm. and they want those jobs back but consider that that wave that particular wave has already hit dry sand right it's gone but i want to be a coal miner baby yeah well that's Where's a problem <laughs> that's a problem they are well maybe you should try other jobs jason there will be oh that's, oh, a, that's... maybe that's the solution <laughs> learn a new technique oh i could make solar panels oh got it right so imagine like saudi arabia refusing to budge its economic mm -hmm. dependency on oil uh is not willing to invest mm -hmm. in any new industries or in infrastructure, well, how do you think the country will be doing 10, 20 years down the road, right? So it's the same thing happening in other countries. And China has been the article that, you know, we want to talk about, right. tells about the plans that China has mm -hmm. been making over the past few decades. It's not all of a sudden, whoa, look, electrical vehicles from China, you know, taking over the global market. It took time and it's still taking time. So it takes a lot of uh, planning, a lot of uh, unity working together for the whole country um, to be able to set things in place and to keep things going, you know, uh, along the trend. That's a really interesting idea. And I think that is something that may uh, affect both China and the United States. The way that, you know, because, OK, say you're a, let's say you're a journalist 
And 10 years ago, you come to China, you mate all of the people who are really successful in industry at that time. So maybe this is something that's actually affecting the way that journalists are reporting on Chinese economy today. Because the contacts that journalists made 10 years ago, those contacts may not be doing well in, you know, the zeitgeist of industry today. Because if you look at like tradingeconomics.com, you can see that Chinese economy is actually doing really well. It's growing about 5.4% GDP in total this year for us. And it's about adding about one and a half trillion US dollars to the Chinese economy this year. And it did the same thing last year and the year before. It's just a smaller percentage, but it's still adding one and a half trillion every single year, which is far more than the US economy is actually adding to its GDP. So I think maybe the point that you made has opened up all kinds of new ways of analyzing the Chinese market, not just in green technology, but in the terms of who is telling the Western journalists that the Chinese economy is not doing well. It's the contacts that they made from 10 years ago because their industries like real estate are not as important to the new Chinese economy. So actually, that has just opened my eyes to a totally new way of analyzing media and economics, and it's going to be affecting me for weeks to come. Mm. It's, oh man, there's so much to, there's so many ways to reinterpret economic data on China, right. having seen things through that prism. Thank you for sharing that. Problem. And also, I think for people who are pessimistic about China's economy, give it a little more time and give yourself a little more time to get to know what China has been doing and what the future will entail. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, coming back to uh, going green, mm -hmm. yes, all are. of these three news, mm -hmm. the new threes, they are all key to decarbonization. And the new threes are solar cells, lithium iron mm -hmm. batteries and EVs. As you can see, right, they're all going in a certain direction. So for people, you know, with billions <laughs> of dollars to invest, well, maybe hey, you know, it's not hard to find out uh, where the new spotlight will be. Mm -hmm. And this is not the time to dump your money into real estate in China or mm -hmm. ex exports of like toys. Mm -hmm. Right. But there are other opportunities of investment. The only thing I think um, uncertain is actually the geopolitical components, right? There are people who are using the confusion of the transitional times to try to make trouble, right? To confuse people and to exaggerate the risks and maybe scare away investors. Um, but, you know, we can, we should shine our own glasses and make sure we see things clearly ourselves. I watched a video this morning where Cyrus Jansen, a friend of uh, Sino-US business partnerships with half a mm. million followers on YouTube, he mm. interviewed the senior executives of a comp an American VC, venture capital company. That means they invest lots of millions and mil tons of millions of billions of dollars. For those of you who don't know what a VC is, they have relocated their entire operation from Boston to Shenzhen in the last few months. Mm. And now they are located, their headquarters is now in Shenzhen. So Cyrus is asking them, well, why did you relocate your VC from the United States, from Boston to China? And he said, well, United States has had its time. Mm. And now it's clearly the age of China's growth. And so these, these VC are bringing, you know, hundreds of millions and billions of dollars to China to invest in China now because, you know, it probably honestly would have been better to invest that kind of capital 10 years ago. But the opportunities for growth in China are going to remain. So let's say 5.4% GDP growth this year, adding one and a half trillion US dollars to the Chinese economy this year. Let's say it drops to 5.5% or 5.1% next year. It'll still be adding one and a half trillion US dollars to the Chinese economy next year. So like, I think a lot of people don't always, they, they see the percentage and they don't think of the actual real value. The Chinese, Chinese economy is set to keep increasing for a very, very, very long time. And there are ways that they can offset increases in labor costs. Like, for example, 50% of all manufacturing robotics are in China, out of the world. So half of all manufacturing robots are in China. That offsets 
labor costs because robots can automate a lot of things. Another thing that China can do to continue to grow and continue to grow its global solar cell exports and lithium ion battery exports and EV exports is offshore to itself. So a lot of companies that have previously had manufacturing in the south of China are moving their factories to the west of China, where labor is still inexpensive. So China's economy is set to continue to grow and is continue to set to continue to dominate solar and wind and hydropower for the foreseeable future. And I want to mention that the, the fruits we see today were actually from seeds that planted uh, mm. over a decade ago. Um, for, I guess, our listeners who have not heard of um, one example is the Made in China mm -hmm. 2025 strategy. So that was launched, I think, back like at least 10 years ago, back maybe in um, 2015 or even earlier. And the initiative aimed to transform China's manufacturing industry from labor intensive to technology intensive in 10 years. So that is the um, uh, the upgrading, industrial upgrading we we're talking about. So if you see that China is exporting less uh, clothing and toys or other appliances, well, guess what? That was part of the plan because those were the labor intensive industries. But we're moving up to technology intensive industries. And so the plan made in China 2025 strategy sets specific goals for the growth of uh, domestic EV brands and prompted a separate action plan to grow the manufacturing of power generation equipment for solar, wind, and other renewable energy sources. And this strategy was followed by uh, two, I think, two five-year plans covering 2016 to 2025. So those were the 13th and 14th five-year plans for intelligent manufacturing, marked out new energy vehicles and power generating equipment as two of the key sectors for uh, industrial upgrade. And the point of this is that you can see from these, this, these are, this one is just like one example. There are many others supporting the development of um, uh, technology intensive industries. But from these, you can see how China plans in longer terms, right? So if you have not seen the fruit of the investment, maybe wait a little bit longer. It's not just talking about the next year, the next quarter. And also another thing you can see is how the country works together, right? It's not just about solar panels. It's not just about EV. It's a whole industry, like whole industrial chain and the whole country working together to make things happen, to go in the direction that it wants to go. And that's why it's so powerful. Now, in China, we have a term called qi, uh, which means one chess game. So imagine um, the whole country working together, you know, on this one chess game. They're not like separate ones, everybody going its own way. People are focusing, putting their efforts together to make this game great. And that's hugely powerful, you know, for the whole country to work together, the government, the people and different levels of the government, people understanding where you want to go. And that's why, you know, China always stresses the importance of unity, of working together, of harmony. We do that. China does that not just because they sound good. It's because they, they are also very effective, right, in making sure that we have a peaceful and stable uh, arena for development and making sure that things will actually work out because it does take that much effort to make things work. Well, I want to add to what you've said in terms of, you know, I'm an American and I was trying to think about things from an American perspective. How can this benefit mm. my my countrymen? And, and, you know, honestly, what you've said is exactly right. And it's in the article, the same article that we've been talking about. Mm. The last two paragraphs, it points out in bold, the problem for U.S. companies and researchers trying to develop these technology is a lack of money caused by years of an inconsistent policy signals. And basically that mm. comes down to the fact that in America we have two parties and they disagree. So largely one of the two parties has been, let's stay with coal, let's stay with fossil fuels, let's stay with gas, natural gas and so forth. And the other party has been like, well, hey, let's get into this new tech, let's do solar. So universities in, in the United States, I've got to say, you know, as an American, I've, this is a point of pride. One of the wonderful things about America is we have 
Absolutely amazing universities, absolutely mm-hmm. amazing scientific research. Yes. And yes. we have amazing technology when it comes to solar, when it comes to wind and amazing ideas, amazing innovations. The problem is it, we're not consistently, just like you said, we're not funding them. We're not bringing them to scale because there's, oh, well, now it's this party's in power. Everything is about trying to stay, you know, more fracking, more oil. And okay, now this party's mm-hmm. in power. And they're trying to close oil fields. And now it's time to have EVs again. Oh, now it's this part. So we're flipping back and forth and we're not actually working towards one goal. And so whereas in China, everyone's like, like you said, all moving towards the new technology fields. And in the United States, it's wavering back and forth, not really getting a sure footing in all of the things that we technologically were 10 years ago, at Mm -hmm. least the, you know, at the apex of now that China has been just doing this, you know, focused on this technology, maybe we're not in, you know, maybe we don't have the best ideas. Maybe we don't have the best technology. And at this point, it's time to scale all that technology up. If we can't, you know, we're going to be left holding the bag. I do want to fall back on something you mentioned, and Mm -hmm. this is important for the United States too. You mentioned Saudi Arabia, you know, 10 years, 20 years, what are they going to do? I honestly do think that we will still be using fossil fuels and oil and all that stuff. Not at the like the local Mm. level. We will have stopped probably by 2035. Mm. I think most states, they will not be producing any new fossil fuel burning cars. But in terms of naval fleets, probably for many decades to come, they will still need petrol. Because if you build like a massive container ship, right? And you're probably going to be using that until Mm -hmm. like 2080 or something. So it's not it's not going away. So what I mean is Mm -hmm. a lot of the American technology, this older fossil fuel based technology, natural gas and so forth, they'll probably still need that for Mm -hmm. these old machines, old cars, old navies, old all that kind of stuff for a while. But if the United States, if my countrymen, Mm -hmm. if we don't get our act together soon and start moving into these new technologies, new renewable technologies, it's going to really put us on the back foot in 10 or 20 years. Speaking of the advantage uh, China has in, let's say, EV or solar panels, some people might feel intimidated by this uh, almost you know, near monopoly of China. But mm. uh, an expert, I think the last name is Lola, he, he said in this article that uh, we have to remind ourselves that the pie itself is growing. So despite a near monopoly of China in these uh, certain fields, there's scope for other countries to build manufacturing capacities. Um, but it has to come with good policy environment and timely interventions. So if your government is divided, I mean, some think that we should take this uh, green road. Others think, ah, uh, you know, maybe it's not a good idea that you might miss the time frame. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the new wave of the times, uh, you might miss that and miss the dividends that, that's carried by that particular wave. So um, the another expert was saying the idea that the U.S. and Europe could compete with China on the existing technology seems almost impossible to imagine. But he said, I would imagine, I could imagine the U.S. and Europe to catch up uh, on the research and development of new technologies. Because, um, you know, as you as you mentioned, you know, the United States has the talent, has the universities, has the research capabilities. Um, but he just, I guess, need help when it comes to um, the government's uh, support, um, which has been important for, um, you know, Chinese industries, too. As we mentioned, besides the um, one example was the Made in China 2025. And there was also the Golden Sun Initiative back in 2009, um, where, you know, I think the government provided subsidies for installing solar PVs on buildings, formulating technological standards, and promoting key a certain key technologies. So the government was way ahead of, let's say, the average citizens in China, knowing where it, it's going to go, where where the future is. And it's been laying down foundation for that 
And today, finally, you know, we're seeing uh, fruits from that labor. Here's the thing. There are actual new innovations to be made, whether it's China or Europe, the United States or whoever. Mm, Um, Like Because one of the things that solar is still limited on is what bandwidths of electromagnetic, sorry, light from the sun, these they can actually absorb. And so right now, some of the most advanced deployed solar installations only absorb between 10 and 25% of all of the light it's actually touching it. So if we can raise that percentage to like 50, 60, 70%, then we'll have all the new installations in the future from that point on, once it comes to scale, we'll be using that level of technology. So whoever can bring the most sensitive solar cells to the market in the future could could potentially manufacture those at scale and make in you know billions, trillions of dollars potentially. Well, so it doesn't matter who's actually making it now. Although China certainly has an advantage because they've all of this manufacturing capacity already making solar cells. Mm-hmm. So theoretically they could probably institute it first, but it still takes the innovation and the science to bring that to the market. Well, I'm going to nod my head and pretend that I understand and agree with you, but yeah, sure. sure yeah, yeah. There's a lot more to, <laughs> I, to do. I, I was yeah. reading about the chip war and it was telling about how, you know, lights and lethal graph, <laughs> what frequency of lights. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> Whatever you say sounds very sophisticated. That is all the time yeah. we have for this one. But I do want to, of course, we're going to keep every month or two, we're going to have an episode about this kind of stuff because I'm fascinated by it. And I know you are, baby. And mm-hmm. it is the future. This is the direction that we're all going. This and AI, I think. Yeah, I, I am interested. I just, I wasn't interested in so much details about that, <laughs> you know, batteries. But it turned out to be more interesting than I thought because hmm. um, I found that I could actually understand some of these ideas, sure. right? These uh, energy vaults, um, raising bricks and lowering them. It's not that hard to understand. Yeah? So, um, for average listeners, I think I'm it's... get some um, bricks from my house. <laughs> um, yeah, why don't you do that by yourself and you get your exercise done at the same time? Stop paying the gym. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right. You'll be this human battery. Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah, if you guys want to add to this conversation, mm-hmm. please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your time, listeners. Thank you so much for your time, baby. Well, thank you, Jason. I will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.